on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and I'm joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And look, unfortunately, Carlton have gone down to Geelong by 30 points on a cold and windy Saturday night at the MCG. And Lockie, look, it was a bit of a weird one because you're probably, let's be honest here, you're probably not expecting a win against a really strong Geelong side going in. But Mm-hmm. In the manner that it played out, knowing that it was one of those big tests again um, to see how good we are against some of the best teams. Were you left um, a little bit disappointed by that loss um, or were you feeling something else about that performance? Yeah, good question. Um, definitely disappointed. Um, you and I, two of the most optimistic supporters out there. I think we were feeling pretty good about our chances yeah. of winning. And I definitely backed us in. Um I guess, yeah, I'd say probably the dis- most disappointing aspect for me was it just felt like such a comprehensive yeah. defeat. Like 30 points, I mean, I, I, it felt like a lot bigger than that to me. It mm. felt like you know, a few junk timey goals in the end. So that was probably the, the part. But, you know, we see what the footy landscape is like right now. Any team can beat anyone on their day. Mm. And it just so happened that we versed arguably the best team in the league. We didn't bring our A game, um, and that's never going to result in a win. Yeah, like they, unfortunately, because it's it's tough. You, you go into those, and you're always going to be optimistic and, and thinking, okay, I know our best, and at our best, we can beat anyone. And, and can we do yep. that against Geelong? We've been pretty up and down in our form over the last month or so, going sort of like win-loss, win-loss. And you're just hoping after last week where you saw – good Carlton, bad Carlton, then good Carlton again, that maybe we've started to to figure things out a little bit. You've got a bit of yeah. that momentum and positivity going into the game. Just wasn't really there. I thought that first quarter, we definitely started slow for whatever reason. Geelong sort of yep. got the jump on us. We didn't look really switched on. A couple of easy goals, he sort of gifted Geelong early. And you're thinking, oh, like you, you just can't do that to a team as good as Geelong. You, you have to be on your A game, like you said. And what mm-hmm. gave me, I guess, a bit of confidence going into quarter time was just how much we'd sort of shifted the control of the game. We started to win the ball, change the tempo, end up going at the quarter time break in front, which is kind of ridiculous yeah. if you watch that first sort of five or so minutes of that game. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, we haven't played amazing. We've maybe switched on for five, ten minutes there, and now we're in front. Gee, if we can do this all game, going to be unreal. Yeah. Does that mean for you knowing that we, we, we uh, I guess, played some really good footy, got that lead early and then went on to have really three quarters that we never got close to that form again. Is that mm. what disappointed you the most from that performance? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the way that the momentum shifted, I felt in that first quarter, it, it definitely didn't feel like we won that quarter for me, even though mm. we did on the scoreboard. I was, I guess, ready for those momentum shifts to kind of continue throughout the game. But the way that it played out, like it was just so comprehensive, like I said earlier, from Geelong after that. It just, 
it, you know, it, there was so much, I just felt the inferred pressure from them mm. in our decision-making. I, I felt like I hadn't seen that in, in some time where it felt like nothing for us was just coming easy yeah. at all. Um, and so that made for a pretty grim couple of quarters in the middle of that game. And even at the start of the game, when we were at least still getting something on the scoreboard, there were so many chances where we were under no pressure and just mm. made a poor deci- poor decision. I, I remember there was one where like, we, we had a man in inside 50. It might have been Charlie all by himself. And it's like kicks it on the full, misses him. And you're going, yeah. this is like simple, but it's obviously that you know inferred pressure. It's what you're feeling because of everything else Geelong are doing. They're not giving us that time and space. Mm-hmm. Well, Geelong was really good at, at closing down any room for our midfield to burst away. And whenever they did, if we were a second too long with the ball, they'd somehow get to us, tackle us, and to be holding the ball. Yeah. They sort of chased us down far too many times. And that's probably what leads you to then making poor decisions because you're constantly thinking, they're on my tail. I've got to get rid of this quickly. And we just mm. didn't do well at dealing with probably the tempo of the game and going from this frantic high pressure that Geelong were putting on us when we were winning the ball, we maybe just didn't have that experience to just calm things down and get, catch your breath and then go again. And unfortunately for really those last three quarters, you could probably say, and it's, it's pretty fair, we were never going to win that game of football where it didn't mm. seem like, even though it ended up only being 30 points, it didn't really feel like from sort of midway through that second quarter that we were any chance. Yeah. No, and I agree 100%. Um, what I don't agree with, I guess, is a lot of the stuff that's happened from this game. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, like, mm. we, and we say this thing all the time, like, the, you know, this game's going to tell us a lot about Carlton. Yeah. Or we're going to learn a lot today. And so it's meant that people are kind of writing us off um, because of a performance like this, which I'm just so far mm. from doing. Um, because I mean, imagine, like, we don't know, you and I aren't professional athletes, but imagine the difference in field that it must have had. Versus West Coast last week. Yeah. We were in paddocks, basically, <laughs> that entire game versus mm. yesterday versus one of the best teams of the last 15 years who just, like you said, they were putting pressure on us without even needing to be within mm. arm's reach. So, you know, but like, yeah, like you said, uh, not a whole lot went right, it felt to me. Mm. Uh, you, you mentioned a good point there, talking about, I guess, like the learnings and what can you take from this. Is there anything in particular? Because you said like nothing's maybe changed your mind as far as maybe the top four. I know some people are saying, are we mm. a contender? Did this maybe change your perspective a little bit in how maybe optimistic you were about us, knowing that we finally got this other test and we maybe mm. didn't take the step that you were, were hoping for, didn't make this that nail-biting contest that went down to the end where we just got beaten by a better team. It was sort of a, yeah. a comprehensive beating from really quarter time onwards. Yeah, no, good point. I think it has to. It has to at least, at least somewhat, mm. um, because going into this, you know, it's been pretty heavily document documented that we hadn't played the top three teams yet, yeah. um, and they were still to come. So there was always that optimism that you know we never know what we're going to do against yeah. them until we do. So it does a little bit, but I still, I mean, contender. What is what does that word even mean? Like, mm. of course, we can win the premiership. I don't yeah. think I don't think we're going to. It's not likely, um, but any team can on their day. So, um, yeah, 
I guess it's, it's and again, you and I looked last week and, and forecasted this seat, uh, the rest of the season. And we hoped that we would win. We thought it'd be amazing if we can beat two of the top three teams. Mm. But if we can win one, that's good. Yeah. And there we go. We we've still can go one from two. So, mm. And you're seeing our sort of seesawing form at times this season. There's a chance we go up against a Melbourne and Brisbane and beat them. It just it's the weird way the season. And I always go back to and I I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record, but I've seen some of our most electrifying quarters. I think about some of the quarters against Frio, that second quarter against Sydney, where all of a yeah. sudden you've just kicked six to nine goals, and in like five minutes, and the opposition's gone. The fuck just happened? We were in front, and exactly. now we're we're five goals down. We've just lost this game of football on the an absolute just switch and it's yeah. what Geelong supporters were, were nervous with. I chatted to a couple during mm. the game that were around me and they were saying, I actually was seriously nervous about this game because I know you've got the forward line that no one else has really Geelong and us are the only two teams that I can think of that have those two key forwards that are dominating. Like Richmond have two, but like Rewald's starting to age that little bit. We've got the two mm-hmm. powerhouse key forwards, and you're always a chance, particularly the way our midfield can dominate games. But we just we just didn't today, and that's disappointing. Yep. And I think we have been really good this year. We've seen a lot of improvement from where we've been. It's probably just clear from this performance <laughs> that we're just not maybe at that elite level just yet. Which it's not it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be like, okay, we're mm. not the top four, three teams in this competition where that little rung below where we can pretty much beat most of the teams, but gee, those top ones that are the flag favorites, they're the hard ones to beat. And I guess with that, Mm. all you can take from this game is you've got to learn something that you can then improve on for the rest of the year. Did you have any kind of key learnings that you hope that the playing group can take from this game? I thought we showed we were a bit one-dimensional in the way that we went forward. Um, and mm. Chris Scott spoke about it a bit post-game that they felt like we had a very clear plan. They planned for that yeah, and it worked. Um, the way that we were going inside 50, I think that that's something that we've spoken about in pretty much every mm. loss, I would say. Yeah. It, it stacks up where either we're just going in, hoping that someone's going to take a big mark Um or we seem to be singling out opposition defenders. Mm. Um, so I, I and I don't know where that improvement comes, but it's yeah. N- anyone could see that the way that Harry was getting the ball or not inside fifty is not w- what we should be doing for a common medalist. Mm. Yeah, look, I was going to be my question was how do you fix it? You've basically said you don't know, which is fair enough. I think yeah. if we all knew how to fix it, we'd be the coaches of Carlton right now, and we probably would have won that game of footy, but. Exactly. didn't happen and it's a tough one because especially you talk about like harry there that look he just he didn't have a good night but i agree no. with you as well the service towards him was not going to help him if he even was that little bit off tonight because hmm. we were constantly not kicking to his advantage not kicking to where he he was leading and it goes straight to you know the other deconing the one we don't have and he was he was just intercepting everything and we made him look better than he was. And I do think he's a good young talent, but the way we were entering the ball inside 50 was always going to be easy for those Geelong defenders. And it's a bit disappointing. So I think, yeah, I guess mm. I want to talk about the forward line and how we can maybe <clears throat> fix this because 
I said, are we too one dimensional was a question I was going to ask you because <laughs> when, you know, Harry, you know, struggled, if this happens where yep. one or two of the key forwards that we have that seem to kick most of our goals, if they don't fire, you know, how, how are we kicking goals? How are we putting on scores against teams? Is there yep. a component of our game, a position, a, a player that you want to step up? Is there anything that you can see? And it doesn't just have to be, Right now, like maybe you're thinking we need to bring a player in that we don't have mm. to fix this. Like, what do you, is there anything in our forward line you can see as that area for improvement to fix, <laughs> to fix it if we go goalless with our, our key forwards? Well, funnily enough, we spent a bit of time talking about this last week and it, I don't think anything stumped us as much as this <laughs> in the entire pod. But it, it kind of took a, a performance like this to make me think that there is room for a bit of a shake-up. Um, and maybe that is going with the three tools. Mm. I'm not necessarily saying that that is the solution, but I think it's something interesting that we maybe will be able to try this week, um, mm. depending on how everybody pulls up. Because, yeah, you, you, you nailed it. <clears throat> the avenues to goal aren't clear when it's those two because mm. and we, we talk about this heaps as well. We, lo- we absolutely love Dirds when yeah. we love Motlop and we know they're the future and we know they do so much that aren't goals, but somebody's got to kick them. Mm. So, and Charlie's not going to kick five every week as much as he often looks like he will. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know whether that pit in mm. and TDK playing a bit more forward or a lot more forward mm. is something. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, that was one of the notes. And I think it it might just be a culmination of a few sort of key points. I think one of those is that if one of them isn't firing, at least having, you know, Brad Pitt in the middle allows, you know, TDK to go forward. And now we have another option. Yeah. And whether that means that De Koning starts to star or that takes the extra man away that if Harry was mm. struggling, all of a sudden he's got a bit more space. You, you never know what that does, but I think we're probably going to play our best footy when we've got those guys down there, a bit more of a rotation. So we're not just as, reliant on that and then also yep. with your, your pit and net in there you're probably winning a bit more from the midfield and getting better looks and better entries going into there but you, you mentioned the smalls and it's a tough one because <laughs> you're looking at the form of them and it's motlop has a really good game sort of goes missing for a couple durden has a good game mm. goes missing for a couple and Knowing kind of, I guess, where we are and where we want to go and the level that you're thinking of Carlton at the moment as a fan, you're wanting that level of consistency. You're wanting these yeah. guys to dominate. You've seen it in glimpses and you go, why can't you do that every single week? And I feel like we've touched on this in Sorry. losses, but it's they're just so inexperienced, these smalls. Yeah. And it's I think it literally just comes down to this is unfortunately just what we're going to get while they develop. But between Motlop and Durden, they've played 25 games together. Yep. 25 games. And I think that's just going to happen. They're going to be inconsistent. And I think when they apply the pressure, when they're front and center, you've seen how good they can be. But it's so hard to do that consistently as a small forward. You just don't have the runs on the board. You're 19, 20 years of age. And look, yeah. The big one of the big reasons I think that we did struggle a little bit this week was the pressure that they applied. The inside 50 tackles were down this week. We only had six compared to 14 last week. You look at mm-hmm. it, it was one from Motlop, one from Fisher. The only player 
that had more than one inside 50 tackle this week was Charlie Kerno, which is yeah. not who you would expect that from. Jasos and Durden, two guys that you love their pressure, both didn't lay one and and that just hurts yep. you from the smalls. And then when that's not happening, they're probably not going to kick any goals off the back of that. Yeah, 100%. And that's one of the, um, I suppose, with that bringing pit in option. Um, and we spoke about this in the reverse order when he went out. It will mm. allow Crips to not take any more yes. hit outs. JSOS going to be able to play mm. more of that original role. Maybe he will be able to put more emphasis on pressure. Harry as well, someone that is mm. taking some hit outs occasionally forward. It's gonna. It would completely change the way that we structure up, and so many mm. individuals. It would change their kind of objective for the yeah. game. So that's why uh, you know that, that's a whole other thing. When we're locking mm. the ball inside fifty, we're always going to have a ruck outside fifty ready to cut it off or or whatnot. So mm. I think it's interesting, and I think it's. I feel very uh, very strongly that they will roll with that once Pitt's good yeah. to go. If he is this week, um, yeah. But, but you're spot on about the small forwards. Mm. And it's, it's tough with the ruck because I've said this previously and you look at other teams, like take Richmond for an example, lose a couple of ruckmen, lose a couple of players to injuries. Look how shit they are. Yeah. Look how bad the difference from them having a full strength team is to some really key position outs. And it happened last year to them, I'm pretty sure, where they lost Nank for a little bit and they were mm. rubbish. And it was an example I used because it, it's so hard to play without key pillars to your football team and and how you want to systematically structure up across the ground and i think we've done well tdk thought he was okay this week he he did some nice things but you don't have your best team out there you don't have that guy that can float forward all the best teams seem to have that other guy that can go forward at times and it's tough and you you mentioned the jsos like the (laughs) the fallout to all of this the sort of domino effect of it means jsos hopefully plays that half forward role and are we losing a bit of that connection like we we've always spoken about gov when he was that third tall he's the link player and that's kind of Mm. what you want from jsos that guy that can lead up take those marks alleviate a bit of pressure we don't really have anyone if he's having to pinch hit that can do that We, we obviously tried to maybe play honey in that role a little bit but he sort of struggled and wasn't getting those marks which might be one of the reasons that he wasn't staying in the team. You've got a Jack Martin, who's that lead-up marking player to alleviate things, and he's injured. He's been inconsistent. So Mm. that's another sort of part that I'm looking at. If I'm trying to go too hard at this one loss, analyze it and say, what can we do from this to then win a premiership? It's probably that half forward. We need someone else, and maybe it is JSOS if he gets more time to actually play in that position. But I I think we need that guy that can push up, influence the contest, be that guy that can mark the ball. We we don't really have that other marking target. And and then obviously the smalls as well that we touched on. Mm. Yeah, no, well said. And and we have these discussions and we do dig deep (laughs) into these games because we do this weekly podcast. But you got it. I feel like we all, listeners and us included, need to not get sucked into like the mainstream media and how they want to, you know, feed what this loss means because mm. you don't, you just have to look at the ladder to see that we are still two yeah. wins below first. You and I had optimistic well, benchmark at the start of the season. Just let's just get into finals. That's all that matters. Yeah. We're still sitting two wins clear inside the eight. 
mm. everyone's just going to take a breath. And that's why I love that we do this podcast a couple of days after the game because it gives oh, me yes. a chance to take that deep breath because I might not have said that straight after the game. But that's just the truth. Yeah. It's funny because my next talking point is kind of again on this. It's all doom and gloom. How do we fix everything? And it's funny because you mentioned like we do this every time. And it's so funny because I know next week we'll win. And all of a sudden it's like, we've got the best bloody team out there. Every single player is elite. And it's it's like, oh, if we just beat one of Melbourne and Brisbane, we're maybe in the top four and you start having all those thoughts again. And it's just crazy how things can differ from week to week. And I think that's why I've just got to have some perspective on the season and where we've come from and where we are now. And it is absolutely fine to get outclassed by a better team. And they just did that. And then all you have to do from that is go, okay, how were they better than us? You know, what were the reasons that meant that they are that next step above us currently? Can we do anything from that to over time as we continue this sort of journey to, to get to that level? And yeah. that's the kind of the fun part for me where this isn't that shock loss where we've lost to an opposition that we should be beating. That's a disaster game. We didn't get, we didn't get absolutely killed. Still no team has scored a hundred points on us this season. We haven't had these blowout <laughs> margins, which is just ridiculous to think about. So we're not too far off. There's clearly a couple of other deficiencies. Do you see anything else as being that if you're going to go way too far on this, from where <laughs> yeah. we are now to be a Geelong, what is what are those little things that you saw, I guess, mm. being those difference makers for for that better team? That's a really good question. I like that you phrased it that way. Let's let's go too far on this. Um, there's a few different things. I think oh, I'm not sure what was going on with Patrick Cripps during this one. Mm. Um, as one of the leaders, I thought that, especially in the second half, I was just like, where is this man? Um, yeah, 100%. He's, he's nowhere to be seen. And everyone's entitled to have a bad game, like you said about Harry earlier. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, so we could talk about that. We could also talk about, I guess, what we always do in a loss, our bottom four to six yeah. players. Um, and that's where everybody looks for week-to-week changes. Um, and we know that if we were going to beat Geelong, we were going to look at the sheet here on a Monday evening and go, wow, everybody played great. Yeah. And yeah, it's easy to see um, some names there that didn't. Um, but I'm, I'm also, and then I'm going to put Will Hayes there because he had 23 touches um, and I was actually thought he had a really good effort for his first full game. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah. And just kind of the, I guess the bottom four to six. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we'll start at Hayes um, and we'll talk about, I have another question talking about his, Inclusion and team changes. So I'll park that yeah, discussion yeah. for it. Just want to talk sure. about his game. Look, I was pretty happy. I was happy and pleased to see him get the opportunity. He's been one of the best players in the twos. Um, played really well for the couple of minutes he was in there last week. And yeah, he just the. It's a tough game to come into. I tell you what, it's of that high pressure. You finally get your your first taste of AFL footy in a while after probably getting really accustomed to that VFL pace and it's it's hard to jump straight into that. And if, you know, your, your Paddy Cripses and your, your top Carlton players that have been playing at that AFL level struggled with the with the heat coming in and struggling with the pressure mm. and making the right decisions, well, gee, it's going to be tough for a guy playing his, his first game back um, in years in the AFL. So I don't 
I think there's been a lot of pile on on in social media about how Hayes went, and I think it's just yep. a little bit ridiculous. It's that just there's always has to be that overly negative abuse towards someone. Unfortunately, he cops it this week, and yeah, I, I liked that he was able to win a lot of the football, and he seemed to be in a lot of the right areas to to get there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the greatest disposal. I don't think he had a, a good game because of his decision making and disposal. But if you get those touches, you're doing okay. Um, wasn't his best game, but I'm not sitting here going he was the reason we lost lost this one. He was one of many that didn't have a good game, and I just think piling mm. it on him is just a weird way to go um, as a supporter. But I mean, everyone has yep. their opinions, and everyone. Goes for it. Um, but you you really yeah. you thought he had a, a decent enough attempt at it? Yeah. Or yeah. well, maybe, no. <clears throat> Give me your reasoning. <laughs> Give me your No, that was rebuttal. all. You, you've, yeah, no, I definitely won't be rebutting that because you <laughs> put that well. Um, potentially it was because of just my expectation going in. Um, yeah. Yes, I agree. He had a few clangers that were shockers, as as did pretty much everybody yeah. um, that played. So I feel like that's why it's easy to remember those ones mm. where it's like, okay, he was, you know, he was he, yeah. he was streaming up the field and then he just kicked it straight down the Geelong player's throat. When I, when I think about just what he brought to the table in this game compared to the guys that he's quote-unquote competing against, yeah. like Cottrell and Nunes for that kind of yeah. similar kind of role, I just felt like, like you said, he was just getting in really good positions to get the ball had the 23 touches, had some mm. bad turnovers, like you said. Um, but this was a, this was far better than I thought he was going to go in this mm. first full game back. Um, I was expecting maybe a, a mm. 10, 12 touch performance or something and not the touches or everything, but I just felt like yeah. he was really present um, and turned up well. So yeah, mm. the, the, the main reason yeah. I wanted to call out was because of what you said where people are acting like he's the number one culprit for this. Um, where I actually think he exceeded what he what he needed to personally. Mm. Does that mean that I think he'll play out the season? Definitely not, mm. but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, at least someone's taken the heat off Plowman for one week. I feel like it's about time someone else took that mantle off him, at least for the short term. But it, it's tough because no one else handles the pressure and then you single out one player. And I always kind of think with these guys that, yeah, you probably need two to three weeks to get up to to the level to to get that consistency it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to jump in and all of a sudden just hit the ground running and be amazing, particularly in a game like this. So I'm not yep. – would definitely not be writing this guy off. I'd I liked enough with it. And if you're going to take that positive outlook on it, which, again, I'll say I don't think he had a great game, but mm-hmm. if I'm trying to go, well, what is he doing? He got in the right positions. He was winning the ball. The execution wasn't there. And I always think that that's something you can fix. If you're doing everything else right, the just end product isn't there. I think then that just comes with time and experience. And it's probably something that this whole team struggled with, with that pressure where, where we might just not be experienced enough at the yeah. moment to know what to deal with it. Because when the heat comes, like who do you turn to in this team? You go to your Cripses, you go to your Doherty's, you go to your Walsh's. Like none of yeah. these guys have, have had that experience and, I don't want to lose these games, but I think we're going to be better for them because there's that bit of expectation now on these and they're not going to be happy with that loss. They know that they can be better than that. So it's just about them figuring out how they can get and be better for longer. 
And I'll just add to my comment there where I said, I'm not sure if we'll see him for, <laughs> you know, every game for the rest of the season. We definitely won't be. Yes. Considering that he <laughs> will not be seeing the next couple of weeks over a ridiculous call there. Yeah, um, 100%. So yeah, so I assume we'll be seeing our man Lob again. I think so. And I guess talking about the, the difference between the top teams and the rest, mm-hmm. because right now I kind of see two to three teams being better than the rest. And I still think anyone could beat them on their day, but I'd probably put your Geelong, Melbourne and Brisbane ahead of most of the other teams there. You can debate Agreed. that if you want, feel free to, I'm not too fast. It's more just like a, these are the three I'll pick. But what I've kind of learned is the big difference between those teams and us is just knowing how to absorb that pressure. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of, danced around that a little bit and I'll kind of want to go into how we can fix this because that was the clear thing. The decision-making wasn't right because of this pressure. We weren't getting that entry. We were conceding off turnover and, you know, how do they do that? And I think that it's mm. a, a big key component of this and it's something I talked about earlier in the season. And as we started to play some good footy and win games, it went away. I feel like it's, it's, it's become a lot clearer to me now the difference between those good teams, it's an intercept defender. Hmm. That does fix a lot of the issues for me. Maybe mm. It doesn't necessarily go, we're going to win the premiership. But you look mm-hmm. at us, when we're under pressure and we kick the ball forward, they've got the intercept player. They've set up really well structurally. They get it and then they can go and, and catch you out because you're not ready for the counter. We have not been playing with an intercept defender. We've been playing with two key tall lockdowns, some small lockdowns, and just hoping yep. to rebound off the back of that. And maybe it doesn't change things, but I would think that if we had that third tall there as that attacking interceptor, when the pressure comes, when they're coming quick at you off that counterattack, if you have someone there to intercept, that can hopefully absorb that little bit of pressure, having that spare kind of loose guy around there and, the sort of best teams, you look at them, they all have that sweeper, that intercept player. And we haven't had that since Gov got injured. He's potentially mm-hmm. going to come back maybe next week if he's fit enough. And I think that yeah. that's what is going to help propel us forward. If I can think of one thing that you can make an instant change, I think it helps absorb and then helps us transition and, and do what Geelong were doing to us. I'm with you, mate. And I think I agree. I think we will see that in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. So for you then, who who is, you know, obviously that's a role that we haven't seen yeah. since round two this season. What's coming out to, to replace that? Not necessarily a player, but yeah. what type of player are we giving up to get that? I'll say the player, and it's nothing against him, but I think it's probably that Lockie Plowman type. And it's, mm-hmm. it's because if I'm looking at the makeup of that back line, you've got your two key tools, perfect. You've got your, your two halfbacks in Doc and Sard. They're going to lock in. So then you'll have your intercept. And then I like having that slightly more kind of lockdown small, but then can attack. And that's your Newman or your Stocker or your Boyd, that kind of slightly more attacking back pocket. But then you've got the guy that can be that attacking interceptor. And I think that if you keep that, and it's nothing against Lockie Plowman, but he doesn't offer those forward movements, even though he had a beautiful entry into Harry, probably the only one that actually laced him up in this week's game. But knowing he's very defensive, I think you look at a lot of teams these days, they tend to not really have that defensive lockdown. Mm. They sort of trust their systems. 
um, and hope that their attacking players can have sort of do both, the best of both worlds. So that's probably where I would see the next step evolution because I might be wrong, but I believe Plowman wasn't anywhere in near this team at the start of the season. And then as soon as Gov went out, he was the one that came in to play that defensive role. And I think it's just going to have to eventually replace itself once we get that, that Gov style player back. We spoke about it last week that this is, that's the plan that we believe that Vossi envisioned. Yeah. um, And it was taken away from him so quickly. So, (laughs) so quickly. I think you're spot on with all of that. Well, it'll mm. be, you know, in a perfect world, it'll be Gov and Marchi fighting for that spot. Yeah, I think so. And the, and the way he's like a Gov, he's able to use the ball by foot. That helps alleviate oh, pressure because as soon as you win the ball, you're using it well straight away. That first kick opens the play up and we haven't really had that. And you, you look at the best teams, it's how Geelong opened up us constantly. And, and Melbourne do it so well with, with, you know, Lever down there. So I think if I'm going to go too hard in this game and try to be like, okay, how do we go yeah. from where we are to Geelong right now? That's one of the first things I could easily tick off and say, that's going to take you that little bit higher. And, and I guess talking about that, absorbing the pressure, like we're good enough to play finals. Clearly Vossi's turned mm. this team around. I don't think it's too bad the, the way we're still learning and we haven't just quite got that kind of finals pressure yet. We don't know how to deal with that because when have we ever done it? When have we ever had that experience? Exactly. I think it's a hard thing. It's a learned skill. And I'm just hoping that next time they've now had that experience, they can switch it on and go, yeah, I know last time I got that pressure. I panicked a little bit. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen again. Yeah. And that's why, again, I agree with you that those three teams are kind of mm-hmm. above um, like a free man yeah. or that haven't necessarily been there where I feel like, yeah. you know, if, if we come across them in the finals, I'm giving us a bloody good chance, good chance. that we can take them down. Um, and just one thing to wrap up that, that Gov chat, you know, you said that you're not overreacting to this one game. And it's true because we've wanted this all season. We've been yeah. waiting for that intercept defender to come back. Like we've always wanted that, even when we were on top of the world and five and one or whatever we were. Mm. Yeah, 100%. So I want to, before we go back to the negatives after a loss, give me some positives. Was there anything you can take out of that game where it was a player, anything that you were at least mildly content with, Lockie? Because it, it might be a hard one for, for some people out there. Yeah. Well, I, th- I still thought Walshie was fantastic. Um, yeah. Can't remember the last bad game that that young mm. gentleman played. <laughs> Uh, don't think he's ever had fantastic. one to be honest <laughs> he may not have maybe like under 10s or something um <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll call him there, there really isn't kind of like yeah parts of our game itself that i would mm. would call out as being really positive because yeah. i kind of as i said earlier i felt like it was very comprehensive and there was just so many little things mm. uh, but while she is a player um and i'll i'll put fish out there as well yes just because um, still, and you could say this about basically literally every single player made some mistakes in this game mm. um, due to that pressure. So it wasn't all good, but it's just so pleasing. I think the way that he's so clearly taken a step forward this year. Yes. Ever since we started this podcast, we're hoping that he's one of the guys that does. And I think it's clear now that he's getting more of the pill, mm. looking more relaxed um, yes. and, and calm out there. So was really mm. pleased with both of those two. Yeah, Fisher was the one that when I asked you that question, he was the one I wanted this conversation to center around. So I'm glad you <laughs> led me there because 
He's was. often like everything you've mentioned. He was that. Well, is he going to be good? Is he not? And then this season, he's taken that step. But even you could say in that he's been so good in our wins, but in our losses, he's probably been one of the players that you're going. Oh, he was just down this week for whatever reason. And is that is not being able to get the best out of Fisher? This is something we've spoken about in our losses. He's not going. Is us not getting the best out of those outside players like a Fisher? That when we win, he's flying. Is mm. that an issue in these losses? But I think it's the first time, and maybe it's a positive, maybe it's a negative. Fish has yeah. a really good game, 27 disposals, five score involvements. He had the team high meters gained at 450 meters. Has a mm. really solid involvement in the game, and we weren't able to get the win. It's disappointing, <clears throat> but I think that that just shows the development in him that it's now not all about just winning and losing. He can play a really good game regardless of the result around him which I think is impressive now for him. Yeah, no, good call. Uh, at the start of the season, we were still not sure whether he was our best 22 kind of guy, Yeah, um, which he's 100%. definitely not in the conversation about that now. Yeah, so look, we've had our bit of positive chat. We lost, so <laughs> we're going to be a bit negative this week. Were you happy, I guess, in hindsight or, or even at the time with the team changes? Because mm. probably a couple of things, like do you think that, Maybe we should have gone with a pit or, or a gov down there. We saw them play twos. Would you have liked to see them come straight in? Um, and then obviously the big one was, I guess, O'Brien dropped for Hayes. So big chat of the week and, and definitely after the loss, there's a lot more questions sort of getting thrown around. So I'd love to get your <laughs> thoughts on the team changes and whether you think that kind of influenced anything to do with the game. Well, I'll, I'll preface it as I always do or always should do by saying that I watch these men for two hours a week <laughs> and the people inside the walls do for 60. So anyone that thinks they're, they're an expert on the ins and outs and they aren't at yeah. the club, um, you know, they just don't have any idea. In hindsight, I, like oh, with what we know from where we stand, I don't, I don't really understand why it was Hayes in for lob. Uh, yeah. Just even though... You know, some people are talking about the way that Lob's been disposing of the ball um, and things like that, and not getting his hands on it as much in like the one or two weeks prior. Yeah, I've I've just felt like he has just been it, it, like Fisher taking that step this season, where I just feel like he is a mm. basically an always select. Yeah. Um. So uh, as much as I like the idea of get, getting hazy and giving him a crack, it wouldn't have been Lob for me. Um, yeah. So I'll start with that, but and then with with Govan and Pitt. I mean, yeah, we were when we spoke about this for 25 minutes or whatever it was <laughs> on the pod last week, trying to work out what it was. Um, in hindsight, of course, I wish, yes, I wish that we had even more gov, um, giving him a crack. But yeah, it's hindsight's 2020 for a reason. So I'm I'm keen to hear your your thoughts. Yeah, oh, it's it's a tough one because in hindsight, it's so easy to say this guy should have played, this guy shouldn't have played. And yeah, I guess it's it's the difficult one. And I'm probably like you, Bob wouldn't have been the one that came out for me. I I, I do like the idea that clearly there's some standards being set where yep. he's not doing, he's obviously not doing certain things that they've asked. And for that reason, these are the team standards. These are what he needs to do to get into this team. He wasn't doing it, so he was dropped. And I will always back in, this coaching group and this team selection committee because they, I think they finally know what they're doing. I questioned it exactly. last year because Great results point. weren't weren't happening and I just 
There's no way I could get behind certain things. I have enough faith in them this year. But mm-hmm. with that one, if I am going to question it, it's probably similar to you. I thought he had done enough that if he had a couple of bad games, you just ride it out. Um, so it would be, I'd just, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and know exactly what wasn't right for him to get dropped. And probably the other reason is if you're bringing in a Will Hayes, he's probably not the kind of player I would have dropped. I kind of like what Lob is and then have that other Hayes, Nunes, Cottrell. I kind of feel like he's in that kind of Nunes mold with the way he plays and trying Same. to win a bit more of the football. So I, I, I think that losing that definite width, that guy that's going to stay out there and be that option compared to a Hayes that, I mean, for this whole pretty much year, he's been that inside midfielder. He wants to hunt and win that football. It can be hard at times for him not to get sucked into the contest. So I thought for that reason, it was a little bit weird um, mm-hmm. to make that that call. But you've almost got to also reward the effort and the form of Hayes. He's been our best player in the yep. twos all year comes on as a sub, does everything you could have asked. You probably have to reward that at some stage and say, okay, you've done all the hard work. Here's your reward. Because otherwise, like, what does he do? He goes, well, what do I have to do to get into this team? Back in the twos and you, and you lose that motivation to keep applying yourself. So it's yep. a, yeah, I think if I was in charge, Lob would have played, um, but I would have probably found a way to shoehorn Hazy into that team as well. So it's hard for me to yep. look back and completely hate that decision. As far as the Pitt and Gov, would have loved both of them in there. But again, I'm going to back the club and say that I think that if they thought they could play a full game of AFL footy, they would have. And that's why Mm. they're in the twos, that they just needed that little match sharpness before they came in. So, yeah, I would have loved Lob in there. And I think he'll probably come straight back in after his VFL performance and Hazy getting rubbed out. But, yeah, that's just it is what it is, I suppose, at some, some stages. Yeah, well, they've, they've they followed my policy about no bulk changes <laughs> after a win. Like our biggest win in how many years was it last week? And twenty fourteen. You know, so twenty fourteen. There you go. So it would be a bit wild if they swung, you know, four <laughs> or five changes after that to bring Govan Pitt in. And and yeah, and like you said at the start yeah. of that discussion, we're so quick to forget about like the human element nuances of yeah. football and to know that all of these guys are real people and not just names Legit. on a field who knows what is what is going on with mm. with lob not saying there's anything bad but you know maybe they think he's not getting yeah. he's not getting dropped for for no reason they're not just exactly. like oh, i hate this guy he's gone <laughs> exactly maybe they're like he need, this guy needs to kick up the ass let's see him get mm. the 35 touches in the yeah. twos like setterfield did um, and get the confidence up. Who knows? Could be yeah. a, a one of a thousand things, but yeah. And I also don't think if Lob played yeah. and Hayes didn't, we won. Yes, I 100% agree with that. I think it might have helped us um, alleviate some pressure sure. going wide, but it was not the reason that we lost this game of football at all. Um, is there anything else you kind of want to touch on from this game? Because can't believe we've gotten as long as we have into this episode um, talking about it because I didn't think we'd get this far talking about yeah, this Yeah, probably not. What, one more. What, <laughs> what did you make of um, Stocker? First time we've seen him in a bit. I thought he was fine. Um, it's tough. That back line, I think, as a group, probably they're, most were a little bit down. Again, when, when there's pressure and the ball's going in there so well, Geelong systematically sort of tore us apart. Can't really blame the back line. Did a couple of nice things. There was a nice couple of intercepts, I remember, and then he sort of sprung yeah. forward. I'm not going to go, oh, he's awful, and I'd I, I drop him after that performance at all. I'm happy to see him over a sort of 
two to three week period. What, what did you make of Liam Stocker's return? Yeah, no, I just love him so much. Um, <laughs> I have to mention him on the pod. Yeah, he's back in. That's basically it. No, <laughs> I, I agree with what you said. I, I just thought I just thought he looked a lot more comfortable um, than he did last time that we saw mm. him, where he just seemed so flustered. Um, yeah. Which isn't the ball so poorly, um, which mm. is why he got dropped. And um, a few good weeks in the twos, and he's back in. And mm. like like you said, I think we'll we'll, we'll see a good stretch of him now, um, even if we do change up that mm. backline mix. No, I think that's a good point. He definitely he looked to get the game moving when he won the ball, whether it, it paid off or not. I think a lot of players made some yeah. mistakes, so I'm not going to hang it on him. But I liked his willingness to attack that transition. I, I think that's that probably big step up from that last sort of stretch he, he did play for sure. But yes, I'm mm. happy to pretty much bury this game. Let's go straight into the <laughs> votes. Um, fan votes, you guys gave one to Tom DeConing. You gave two to Zach Fisher. And your man of the match was the Sammy Walsh. Lockie, what were your votes? S-Dub. I went one Doherty, two Fisher, three Walshy. There you go. Yeah, look, I've been very similar. My one vote, much like you changing it from the fans, I've changed it from both years. I've given the one to Charlie Kerno because I thought that he was that big spark up forward, kicks the three goals, and the fact that he led the team in inside 50 tackles, the only player that got more than one, that's what I want to see from a big man. And if no one else is bringing the heat, at least he is. Thought he was unreal. Um, could have kicked five, which is just ridiculous in that kind yeah, of performance. Um, gave my two to Fish, gave my three to Walshy, and I think we almost need to chuck out the the tally, the leaderboard in our sort of MVP award because it was Cripper early. I reckon Sadi has done well to peg it back, but I think recently Walshy might have just taken a couple of steps, and we're going to have to figure out the votes because you've left me high and dry. You decided to go... And have a nice little holiday in Europe. I don't have your votes because you mm-hmm. you weren't here. So we'll have to figure out what happens with those couple of rounds, and then we'll uh we'll tabulate the scores. And I think maybe this week we'll we'll throw out who is currently leading, and then maybe every Love week it. we can ride this one home and see if anyone can uh change their positions and take out the navy blue corner MVP. Because I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Sam Walsh has won it two years in a row. Yep, <laughs> very good call. Oh, did he? Yeah, no, I think so. I think, he did. I think so. I think he did. Um, and I think we've been trying to name this thing for the yes. two and a half years we've been doing this podcast as well. So, you know, <laughs> maybe everyone's got a name. Get a name as well, please. It's probably going to have to just be the Sam Walsh <sighs> Award because it's him. He's the only one that's ever going to win this thing. Um, but yes, that is the votes. Lockie, have you got the fan questions up? Because I've I've yeah. missed this. I was glad you're back last week to, to ask these to me. Um, maybe not as happy this week, knowing that they're going to be some <laughs> tough ones after a loss. But I guess hit me with them, Lockie. Mate, we've been dissecting all the hard stuff for the last 45 minutes. Where I'm not <laughs> going to go the hard-hitting questions. So let's start with Talbot Henry's question. Sam DeConing to Carlton. How do we, how do we make it happen? I'd love it. I just don't think there is any way Geelong would get rid of You don't of think that they'd man. just give him up for like a second round <laughs> pick or something? You'd have to give up something astronomical and I won't do it. Um, but gee, he's the the parents have done very well to get two unbelievable oh, footballs from those genes. Not too sure how they've conjured that one up, but those two those two deconing boys are unreal. 
okay, I'm going to throw a hard-hitting question at you. Bias aside, if you could have one of them, which one would you want? Impossible. No, no, I I, I can't take my bias. I can't take my bias out of it. What would you say? It's hard. It's hard. I wouldn't want to have to trade off because I think Sam maybe has, has taken that little bit of a step first, but I still think that what TDK can do is more match winning. Maybe this is my Kane Corns, Connor Rosie argument. He's more of a match winner because he can kick those goals and affect the contest that I think his development, I reckon he possibly has that higher ceiling. So I'm going to keep my my Tommy boy. I like it. I'm not going to answer that question on the spot. I don't want to get butchered. <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, I'm keen to hear your thoughts because I was on the couch, unfortunately, for this game while you were there. So I'm keen to hear what your thoughts were. Not something we talk about all the time. Why do the Cats get such an armchair ride from the umpires? Mm. Do you have any thoughts on, we? you know, were you vocal about the umpires at this one? I actually wasn't. I didn't think that uh, there were some bad calls, of course. You've got Nathan Williamson out there. So, of course, there's going to be some blunders. It, it was probably more Geelong's way because they won more of the ball. They were bringing the tackle pressure and those 50-50s tend to go to the team. That's winning, I feel, and getting the ball. So I, I don't know. There was yeah, there was definitely a couple missed. I feel like our forwards often don't get the calls for whatever reason. But mm. I, I don't know. I don't tend to worry about the the umpiring decisions in a loss too much. I prefer to talk about them in a win because it's it sounds less whiny from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, it maybe wasn't the best umpired game, but I don't think there's been many well umpired games this season or for many years. <sighs> Very diplomatic answer, mate. <laughs> oh, I start my politician it. career right here. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have to touch on that one too much more. Got one from Mickey C. Would you drop JSOS after tonight's performance? Very poor and looks like he could use a break anyway. Oof. Yeah, look, I, I won't. Um, Mickey, um, it's a good question because, you know, yeah, it wasn't amazing this week, but it's hard. He's playing that role in the ruck. He's not getting as much of that forward movement. That half-forward role is a hard one to play. Mm. As I think I alluded to earlier, I really want to see him back in that half-forward role. So I think that once Pitonet comes back into the team, you're going to see a better JSOS. I just think that those two things are going to happen. The part of the question I want to, I want to hit at you again. Well, here we do, go. do you have any thoughts on giving players a break for where we are at this point of the season. We haven't been in this position for a long time. Yeah. We've always just been like, you know, we get to the end of the season and we're just going full throttle. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, like, like let's say that, let's say that we have a good win this week, for instance, yeah. and then we've got the Crows the week after. If, if, if you saw Sam Walsh managed on the sheet or something, how would you feel about that? I probably don't have an issue if they if they don't think that he's 100% to play and that he needs a week off to be better, go for it. Like, I have no issue with that. If we're just doing it because, you know, this hypothetical, if we just go, oh, don't want him to get injured or we want to rest him a little bit to get him primed for finals, I'd rather yep. just him out there playing. But I, if they definitely need a break, rest them. But 
apart from that, just keep going. Get that momentum behind you, I reckon. What about yourself? Yeah. I agree. Um, I just think it's some, an interesting thing to think about just because it just makes me think about how unique this position is yeah, for us. 100%. At this point of the season. Uh, like last season, I feel like at this stage, we were like, it's mathematically possible, yeah. maybe, if everything goes right. Um, it's just interesting to see how the club, I guess, prepares for hopefully a finals campaign, mm. which 100%. takes us to the final question for this little Ooh, section. Here we go. Have you done your uh, ladder predictor recently? I haven't in a little bit. I've sort of passed uh. that just at this stage, but um, hit me with the question. I'll, I'll maybe do one on the fly. How many wins do we need to make finals? It's the the big question on everybody's lips with so many yeah. teams vying for the top eight right now. And I guess yeah. people look at the fixture and they go, how do we how do we get there? Um, you know, I don't want you to have yeah. to do crazy maths off the top of your head, but, mm. you know. <laughs> I've done, look, I have done some previously and I've, the fun thing I find with ladder predictors it's is just being able to throw out every single scenario and seeing what needs to happen. Agree. And I love doing the let's lose every single game and give other results to other teams and see what happens and then fo- try to find the wins that way. And I mm-hmm. think my calculations, if we win just two, we can scrape into finals. But if we win three, we're definitely cemented. That's how I've kind of seen it. It might depend on some other results if it's just, let's say, going the predictions that we've given this season. And like most would think, it's not a given, but say you win your GWS, you beat your Adelaide, that should hopefully be enough because of where we are and how results have kind of played out. But if you get those three, you're 100% locked for me. Is that the numbers that you're seeing? (laughs) Or are you you Uh... a bit more optimistic or pessimistic? I don't know. I actually don't know. It's so hard to read what's going to happen. No way would I have said that. Is it seven or eight wins in a row now for Collingwood? Um, Yeah. I never would have thought that they would be above us and almost looking comfortable that they will finish above us. Mm. Or not not comfortable, but they're right about it. Yeah. Um, I do agree with you though. I'll feel good. I'll feel really good if, if we get the three. Um, so if we can win these next two games, I'll, I'll feel oh, like I like set our you chances. Up. Um, yeah, we don't have to go into it too deep, but like a, a team, yeah. for instance, that is looking to finish above us is Richmond. Two wins below us currently. They've got Frio this week, followed by Brisbane. Yeah. And then they've got Port at Adelaide tough. Oval. So, mm. you know, I, and, I'm, I'm liking our chances, but yeah. And like you say, like anyone could beat anyone. And that's why two really winnable games, it's not against the, the top, top teams like your Geelong. Um, I think you we're at a really nice position where we get them now. So you can kind of cement yourself that little bit in the eight. And then yeah. potentially you don't have that external pressure of, oh, shit, we really need to win this game to start jumping places. You can kind of just sit pretty higher in the ladder. And then if you slowly start fading down, that's fine, but you're not relying on every single week, which, yeah, that's why I think these two next games are so important because it just takes that pressure off everything. And particularly (laughs) us fans, I don't know how much the players will feel it, but definitely us fans, knowing that we've got those two in the bank would just mean so much. I know. Would you say they're danger games? 
Oh, I, I hate that term. That that game is that danger game is going in the bin. I think we'll, we'll kill that one, and that'll never come on the pod for next season. I reckon every right, game's happy- a danger game. <laughs> it really is. I'm happy to take that philosophy on. So yeah, look, that perfectly kind of segues us into talking about the rest of the season, in particular the GWS game we've got this week. Boom. But and Lockie, Lockie will kill me for this one, even though we've perfectly segued in. I'm not going to go there, and I've buried this so late in the podcast. Oh, again. my Lord. I was meant to have it earlier. I forgot. You're going to have to bully me and, and make me do it next week. But look. I don't know what this is. I've jumped in. You've been listening here. We need some reviews from you guys. You've been slacking. <laughs> You've been slacking. Lockie's gone away. An hour in. I've done it again, mate. I've done it again. But I'll get better next week. You've got to remind me. But like I've said, Lockie's... He's lazy. He's gone away on holiday. He's enjoying himself. <sighs> you guys have been slacking because I've been asking for reviews. If you're on, if you listen to this on your uh, on your streaming services, go give it a, a nice little review. And if you're on Apple Podcast, you can write to us. You can give us a proper review. And if you give us five stars, we will read out pretty much anything that you say. So if you want a shout out, if you want whatever, within reason as well, I'm, I'm not going to get cancelled by saying something ridiculous. So don't be writing that in the reviews. Well, but for if you say something, <laughs> if you say something and you give us the five stars, we will read it out on the podcast. So I'm very excited to see what you guys can come up with because I haven't got anything in a while and uh, I'm a bit disappointed to say the least. Um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, comment along throughout the episode. And, uh, you know, give it a like and definitely subscribe because you want to know when this is coming out every single week. It makes things easy. And as of speaking right now, we're only a couple of subs off 300. So that would be a ridiculous milestone for us, which would be nice. So if you're not subscribed, please hit that sub button, get us to 300, um, and and I'll celebrate. And if, if you subscribe and comment, you'll get a shout out. In the uh, in the next episode too. How's that oh. look? It's a bit late, but no. uh, it, it's it's better than nothing. No, well plugged, but I'm putting a comment here in my notes for next week. Early <laughs> review, call to action. It's got to be earlier. And and yeah, follow happen. us on socials well at Navy Blue Corner. There's another one of the plugs. But yes, okay, let's get that out of the way because we perfectly <laughs> segued in, and then I, I ripped us apart. But oh. GWS, Lockie. It's a game we should be winning. What Oof. is the key to success in this one? <laughs> it's a big question. <laughs> Play like we did in quarters one and four last week uh, is what comes <laughs> to mind. That champagne Carlton brand football that we know mm. and love. Yeah. Um, and we played so well um, for the majority of the game against the Giants last time. So, yeah. Um, it's not easy to beat a team twice, as we spoke about last week, which is what makes this and the Adelaide game dangerous, in quotes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm feeling really confident. Like I said, I was confident last week, and that was just, you know, that's just putting on a brave face against the top team. I'm, I'm feeling good about this one. Mm. Yeah, it's it's tough to find that, like, the key to it, but it's just play to your strengths and... Don't get, I guess, overwhelmed by the, the, the pressure because, you know, GWS might be looking at, at Carlton's form and going, gee, if you really bring the heat like some teams have done to us, is that yep. the way to stop Carlton? Stop that avenue um, in our forward line and maybe that's Carlton and that's how you win. So 
I want to see us come out hard, get that pressure back up. I want to see those small forwards get those inside 50 tackles again. I don't want it to be Charlie Curnow mm. to be leading the tackles again as much as it's it's nice to see him on the on the stat sheet. I want to yeah. see Durden with four. I want to see, you know, Motlop with 12. Why not? Let's go crazy. Um, I think those little things, uh, it's, it's interesting because this game against Geelong, I thought the midfield was fine. Like there were some times that Geelong got out of us, but... If you look at the stats mm. for that game, they were pretty even. We won some of them, some of the important ones. Yeah. But it was interesting that we managed to lose that game. So you need to react. You need to play our best football. We do that, we win. It's that simple. Yep. I agree with you. No Harry last time we played mm. the Giants, I remember. That was that, that was one yeah. of those games where Charlie was handling the load himself, mm. um, which is positive as well. So... Yeah, we almost set up the win. I reckon in the first quarter that last time we played oh, them. We I remember Sam Walsh had about twelve shots on goal in the first like ten minutes. There was manic forward <sighs> pressure, and that was like setting the tone. So like that's the blueprint. Do that, you win mm-hmm. this game easy. And then you know, does it become one of those percentage boosters? Who knows? Well, I'm truly ahead of myself. They didn't go inside fifty for the first bloody fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> shellacking so yeah we'll, we'll see if we can start off with that again are you are you heading down to big marvel oh i definitely will be it's uh it's been our paddock yeah. this year um braved the cold yeah. um at the mcg i think it was one of the first times this year that i've said gee i wouldn't have mind playing at marvel tonight because it was cold yeah. and that wind was was shocking um but yeah i think marvel it's going to be a big one. We've seen the big Carlton crowds, and I think this is going to be another big one. So if you're able to, mm. definitely get down. And if you want to chat to us two fellas, feel free. Slide into the DMs of at Navy Blue Corner, and let's catch up and, and have a couple of waters. As much as you and I love watching our footy at the G and much prefer it, <laughs> I, I do like the way that we, as a team, stroll into Marvel. So yeah, I feel like that's just another so. little element that's in our favor too. I think so. So getting into this changes. It's the big thing. Oh. We've unfortunately had Will Hayes, changes. whether you were going to keep him in the team or not after that performance. I know some people were pretty much ready to delist him um, during that game, which I think is a little bit too far, but he's unfortunately been suspended. He's missing, I think, two games. Firstly, what do you make of the suspension? Because <laughs> uh, that was definitely an interesting one to, to see come out of the woodwork. As soon as I saw that we hadn't challenged it, I was like, I'm just not going to even dig into this and and get uh, and take a stance on it. Um, yeah, it's just too hard to know what um, what mm. decisions they're going to come up with nowadays. I definitely mm. didn't think that that was going to be even looked at. To be honest, when when yeah. I saw it happen, even with even with him being subbed off, I, I just mm. thought it was fairly innocuous. So, what about you? It's tough. Yeah, I'm not as strong as others are. I think I've kind of got to that stage where, man, I can't control it. So I just can't be bothered putting my mental energy into it anymore with some of these things. And and maybe it, it helps to a degree, um, no disrespect to Hazy, but when it's not that key player that's maybe had oh, a bit exactly. of a poor game that would have potentially been dropped after that performance, it, it maybe doesn't make me go as hard as I would if, say, Sam Walsh copped it. Um, which is maybe bad for me, but that's just, I guess, how it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same to you. When it happened, 
didn't even think anything of it. I didn't realize that he ended up getting subbed out because of that. Like being at the game, those sort of things you tend to miss mm. at times. That was one I definitely missed. And yeah, it's it's probably for me. It's not two weeks. I didn't think that the tackle was enough to really be the force that caused that. But look, that's mm. the stance the AFL are taking, where the outcome is enough. And if you did something to lead to that. You're getting weeks. And I think as far as the challenging, I believe it costs tens of thousands of dollars to challenge. I'm pretty sure I've seen that previously. So it's always a cost to the club to challenge. And they probably, knowing how the AFL adjudicate these things, knowing their system went, he's had that concussion. That's probably two weeks. So yeah, it's a tough one. It's very stiff. I I would have loved Will Hayes to get the opportunity to bounce back rather than him definitely missing those two weeks and then it might be hard for him to get that second opportunity. Bang, and the microphone cops it. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it I, I agree with everything you say there. Nothing more to add on him. Appreciate it. So, changes. Who is coming <laughs> in for Will Hayes and are you making any others? Because um, O'Brien is someone that got dropped, had about 11 <laughs> touches in the first quarter, dominated in that VFL game. You got Pitonet coming in. I think it was like eight or nine clearances, got some hit outs, golf played mm. well, intercepting, kicked a, a match winning goal down forward. Bang. Those are the names that are getting branded around. Um, any of them coming in and who's making way? Get my man lob in for starters. Um, a staple of this Carlton team for mine currently. So I'll go him for the Hayes swap. Maybe this will surprise you. I'm I McGovern over pit for me um, for that kind of discussion that you had earlier. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say for, um, for Plowman, mm. the sub is the one that I don't have formed uh, right now. Obviously honey was a sub this week. Setterfield yeah. had 40 touches Interesting one. in the twos as well, uh, which is quite wild. Um, yeah. So I guess you could look at, bringing Pitt in and then maybe like someone like Nunes mm. as the sub. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as always, I need to hear your thoughts before I can make sure that mine are fully formed. But I'll, I'll start <laughs> with just Lob and, and Gov yeah. for yeah. Hayes and Plough. I would never have been able to put money on or predict that when you started talking and then saying, I'm bringing one of these in, that you would have said, Gov, I had you nailed on for saying, just give Gov another another week to get his fitness up to scratch. I did no. not think that that was coming out of your mouth. So that's a good one. You've, you've absolutely rocked me. Uh, but yeah, my changes, <laughs> for every reason we spoke about earlier, Gov comes in. For, and for Plowman, like I stated, and it's an interesting yeah. one. I just want to touch on this because I did have it in my notes for this discussion and I didn't sort of mention it. It's mm. I'm not saying that like this intercept role is like the be all and end all because clearly we can win without it. We've won a lot of games without that intercept, but I think that that is something that can help take you to that next level structure-wise. And we saw how just good it was in that Richmond game for those three quarters of that doggies game. And I'm just, I'm just really excited to see what it does to us this time around. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. He oh, and, comes and in. Th- yep. If, if I can just round that out, like we, we were looking at this whole new game plan, all these new, the new coaching yeah. system and everything at the start of the season. Remember we watched the, when we played Melbourne and beat them in the yeah. preseason. 
and all, all preseason, all we hear, Gov, intercept defender. We see it and we're like, beautiful. This is yeah. going to be who we are. And it hasn't been. So it's mm. not like it's a flip-flop to say, let's try something <laughs> crazy and new. It's like, let's now go back to the original plan now that mm. we can. Yeah, and that's that's why I think I'm so excited because this is what they clearly were like, this is how Carlton play football. This is a key component that we didn't have last year to new player playing this role and yeah. we just haven't seen it. It's 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 been crazy. So yeah, Gov in, yep. plow out. Um, then Pitonet will come in and I've dropped Nunes, which yeah. has been he's been fine. I haven't had too much of an issue with Jack Nunes, but when I'm looking at the team structured up because obviously my other one is O'Brien in for Hayes. It's yes. well, I've got O'Brien as my winger. We've got then your, your Cottrell, Fisher, and Nunes that can kind of float that thing. Mm-hmm. I think you've just got one too many if you're going to play the two talls there with your, your TDK and your pit. So yep. I've got to make way. And I just, again, it's that ceiling of the Cottrell, what he can do going forward. He always seems to be that guy mm-hmm. that can pop up for a goal. So, yeah, I think I'll keep Cottrell. Nunes will come out. And that's really like all my changes. Uh, I yep. don't know what you can do with this forward line in that half-forward role I kind of spoke about. I don't think there's anyone easy to come back in. It's a little bit interesting that Honey was the sub. I would have really yeah. liked the guy that gets dropped a chance to get some form back and maybe some confidence back. Yeah, But it's always a hard one. I don't know what you plan to do with the sub and the thinking and the thought process behind that because it's Good it point. has never been like the say what we kind of spoke about pre-season where you go the Brody Kemp because he can do multiple positions and you just kind mm-hmm. of go that kind of role player. It seems like the sub's been different every single week and had a different yeah. role. So I I can't sort of Spot predict on. that. Wouldn't surprise me if Setterfield gets a call up as the sub after that what 40 disposal game. Wild. But yeah, uh, I'm not too sure if there's any other changes. But I mean, if you listen to this, let us know. If you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments. I'd love to know your changes. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, if you if you listen to this on a streaming service, I'm sure if I remember, so hopefully I do, um, I'll be chucking out an Insta story on that one. Otherwise, just DM us, tweet at us, whatever. We will be responding, trust me. Always up for a chat. It's good. 100%. And, and, yeah, and you make a good point about the sub, just to close that out as well. Like, yeah, that's our idea of what a perfect sub is, where it's like, I don't know, if Young went down on the weekend, yeah. for instance, and then Honey comes in, it's like, oh, what no. are we doing here? <laughs> um, but Chuck him down there. They know more Put than we do. Cameron. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Honey on Jeremy Cameron. That's what we do. But yeah, it, it's that's a tough one. It. It's like, how do you plan for it? Because you can't just have like Kemp be the sub every single week and have no exactly. form. It, it, it's, a, it's a tough decision. But look, yeah, that's... That's all I kind of have to say on the Geelong game and the build-up to GWS. Is there anything else you'd, that you'd like to touch on before we round this episode up, Lockie? Bring on the Giants, mate. I'm excited for a yeah. nice upbeat potty next week. <laughs> 100%. I think we all just need to take a deep breath, get that positivity back because sometimes you have to lose a game and losing one to the team that is on the top of the ladder right now if you have to lose one, I'd much rather that than uh, oh. do what Richmond did and lose to North Melbourne, which was some positivity in that Saturday night for sure for Quick all Carlton supporters. 100%. SPS <laughs> doesn't get it this week. It's Richmond. Uh, but look, that's going to wrap this one up. We'll see you this time next week when we've absolutely pumped the Giants. See you guys next time.